Listen, here's the thing. If you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. Welcome to the junk drawer. Okay, we're not done with this is, samurai. This is cocktail. This is a samurai pod now. This is samurai pod. Can you put your kimono you away? On set, when they had all the tanks, they were like literally had to tell NATO, by the way, this is for a movie. Which also seems NATO like the easiest cover-up to start a war. Right? <laughs> I'm not an expert. But I do know plants pretty well, but I don't think if you dropped me, I would be like, that's a cocaine plant. Like, what is he, a botanist on the side? Because <laughs> we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. It's finally time to open the junk drawer. All right, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages. Children of men. The junk drawer is excited to present to you our very first listener suggested episode this listener was suggested by our friend of the pod yes now we do have thousands of emails but we chose this one because he's one of my oldest friends nate billisitz shouts to nate he told me he's an avid listener uh west point grad he's still in the army so thank you for your service he told me on his drive to post and back it's like a 30 minute drive he listens to us every week. So thank you very much, Nate. And we are so proud to dedicate this episode to you. So thanks and for to listening. the troops, man. Yes. And, and the moms of the troops. In a way, we get to serve those who serve us, right? Well. Too much. Yeah, I have gone too far with we that should, We should introduce ourselves, too. So thanks for suggesting, uh, Nate. Please keep listening. Please keep sending in suggestions. Uh, I am super excited to be here uh, to talk about <clears throat> the movie Rounders. Yes, dude. So I'm here with Mario. Hello, I'm Mario. Arico. And also our friend Cole. Hey there, I'm Cole. Your friend. My, My friend. friend our friend. Everyone's friend, Cole. Um, so yeah, we are talking about the movie Rounders. Uh, it is really <coughs> nice to be back with you guys back in the state after our company retreat. Yeah. In Savannah. I'm definitely. These might go out of order, so that'll be confusing for people. <laughs> we'll make sure they won't be. <laughs> um, anyway, Rounders came out in 1998. High drama poker movie starring Matt Damon, Ed Norton, and a couple of other friends that we'll talk about. Lots of lots of fun people in supporting roles in this movie. Yes. Um, notably, uh, written by David Levian <clears throat> and Brian Koppelman, who are now famous for creating the show Billions. So they've kind of mm. made their billions. But why make billions when you can make millions? <laughs> I hate you so much. So let's <laughs> jump right into it. Uh, We've all seen this movie before, I believe. Yeah. So we all rewatched it before we recorded. What did you guys think? What is your personal rating? I'll jump in first. Um, I came across this movie a couple years ago. Um, it was actually one of those things where I Googled, I like to Google actors, or not Google, I'm sorry, search the actors' names on Netflix to see if there's any like deep cuts of the people I haven't seen. And so I searched Matt Damon and Rounders came up. Um, it freaking blew my mind. Um, you mentioned that the best movie we reviewed was Children of Men. I'm going to disagree with you, and I hope maybe yours changed. This is the best movie we have reviewed so, thus far. It is a near-flawless movie for me. I'm going to give it a 97%. Wow. I love this movie, and I can rewatch it any day of the week. It's so rewatchable. It feels, and this is going to sound ridiculous because it's also Matt Damon, to me it kind of feels like Goodwill Hunting. It's got that, you know, yeah, it's no. a product of the, the Miramax machine with... Weinstein's not really a great right. guy anymore, but it's just these really great dramas 
Really well acted, awesome plot that keeps the movie going. 97, loved it. Yeah, both both of those circumstances, Matt Damon is the smartest person in the room. You get the feeling. Yeah. Um, for me, it's kind of funny. There's, there's probably a, a point of pride getting in the way here with my viewing experience of Rounders because the first time I saw it, I think Bryce and I were sitting on the couch together and like it came on like off from commercial. He's like, oh, Rounders on, awesome. And I just had to pretend like I knew what it was and had seen it because he was so <laughs> confident in how good it was. Um, like, oh, I love this movie. And so, yeah, literally my first time seeing it, I came in halfway through. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a really cool movie. I bet I would actually like this if I sat down and really watched it. So I watched it like maybe a week after that, loved it. Watched it again before tonight's recording uh, or today's recording, depending on how you're listening to it. But I'm going to give it an 82. Uh, okay. And for me, I think kind of more about why I say that is I think it's, not, it's not my favorite movie featuring poker being played, which I would say probably is Casino Royale. Um, Ooh, same. But it is my favorite movie that is just about poker. Um, same. <laughs> so, like, I think, like, a really bad one is not, well, maybe you like this, but I don't like the movie Maverick with Mel Gibson where he's, like, a riverboat gambler, uh, which is all about poker. Um, and so this is definitely my favorite movie that is all around just poker. Yeah, it's. I didn't think I could enjoy a movie about poker that much. Like you said, Casino Royale is my all-time favorite movie, but it's not just about poker. This is just about poker, but God, it's just so well acted. It's so great. Yeah, um, I love this movie as well. Uh, it is to me like when we use the word like a slow boiling drama. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times, what that means is it's really boring for like a little bit of a payoff at the end. But this is like what I feel like is a slow boiling drama done well. Yes. Like there mm -hmm. isn't any like high action. Everything is very calm throughout the whole movie. But I'm also sucked into the entire movie. Um, it's like it's, storytelling at its best. It is, it is wonderful storytelling. It's such a good movie. Um, and I, I really love it. I don't have it as high as Mario. Um, it's hard to compare Rounders and Children of Men, which we've also reviewed. True. Because they are so different. And... I mean, if you would ask me which one do I want to watch, I'm going to say Rounders. <laughs> <laughs> like, Rounders is excellent. I rewatch it all of the time. Uh, and so I have it a little bit lower than Mario, though. I have it as an 88. Um, and the reason for my being a little bit lower, uh, as we kind of transfer into Are We Sure? I'm going to talk about my negative first. Uh, it is a great movie, but it is very full of jargon. And... For a wider movie viewing audience, it is difficult to digest. The climax of the movie is not explained and it requires you to understand quite a bit about the intricacies of poker. Um, and so you could miss it because it's so niche, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Definitely. And there's, there's not to cut you off, but there's definitely movies where they over explain like the plot elements so that anybody could watch it and understand what's going on. And for anybody, then it feels like overly explained. And so maybe this one does kind of yeah. lean too far on the not holding your hand and you have to like know to get, catch it. Which is makes, it makes it good, but it also makes it niche. And so it makes it so that like, I don't like, if somebody's like, I don't like rounders, I would be confused at first, but if they're like, I didn't really understand what was going on, it'd be like, oh, that makes sense. See, I can understand that, but at the same mm -hmm. time, I think that the premises are simple enough where you don't need to understand the lingo or really how to play the game because they don't teach you how to play the game. Um, but it, at the end of the movie, you can understand, okay, Matt Damon beat, well, what's his name? Teddy KGB. Teddy KGB. Matt Damon won. Mikey McDermott won. I mean, he wins. I mean, you can kind of come away at least knowing that 
he was trying to beat him. He lost at first. He's been trying to, you know, uh, collect his debt, and then he right. wins at the end. So I don't know. Well, they we'll do talk- teach you briefly also. He says, Texas Hold'em is the Cadillac of poker. You're dealt two cards. Yeah. Then the flop in the river. Yeah. And we'll talk a lot more about the second Damon, or second Mike McDee, Teddy KGB showdown. Because <laughs> it's a very important part of the movie, obviously. It is the climax of the movie. And I have some thoughts on it, surprisingly. So anyway, you guys will all be shocked to hear the Metacritic rating. The Metacritic rating for rounders, again, they rate from a 0 to 100, 100 being perfect, 50 being average, 0 being terrible. Meta, or, rounders has a 54. Whoa! No yep. way! That seems impossible. Yeah. And so... Talk about folding. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, <laughs> some of the reviews are quite good, but uh, a lot of them do kind of point out the... Uh, so Cole's, again, closest, closest to the, to the pin. Pin. You Son of a bitch. <laughs> They point out how niche it is. And so as we talk about, are we sure? I'm sure I like this movie and I understand why it didn't do well because we talk about how niche it is and you have to remember it was released in 1998, which was years before poker became Mm. super mainstream. The World Series of Poker wasn't on television really yet. And then a few years later, it was like, the only thing on ESPN yeah. for a whole summer, and that's when people got into super, uh, super into poker. Yeah. Casino so, Royale captured that perfectly when it was huge. They right. decided to change it from baccarat to which no just, one would have understood no, to poker right. because of the explosion of the sport, not right. sport game. <laughs> and so this movie is a few years early. Yeah. On what could have been a much more wide view audience, and it didn't make a ton of money. It did make money. Uh, but it only made $22.9 million yeah. against a budget of $12 million. That is a it super is a That's a super interesting thought, though. Broader than just rounders, the movie, but movies that maybe if they had existed a few years later or a few years before they actually came out, how they would have done yeah. differently. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, that, that Metacritic score angers me. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you why. I think this movie, it's... So why it's perfect for the junk drawer, we've talked about what kind of movies we usually review here, right? Mm-hmm. Rounders is perfect because it's an amazing movie, but it's overlooked. So you yes. would fi- you could find it in a junk drawer. And it's overlooked, I'll tell you why. The movies that came around, first of all, it's Matt Damon coming up into his career. He's done Goodwill Hunting, um, but he hasn't taken off yet. So this is like his next movie, right? Yep. 1998, here the, well, 1997, you had Goodwill Hunting. You had The Matrix, you have Titanic. Huge movies, okay? Mm-hmm. 1998, you get Saving Private Ryan, Armageddon, which was a blockbuster, uh, The Big Lebowski, which was a huge hit, um, A Bug's Life, you know, Mulan, The Truman Show, and The Wedding Singer, like all these really big movies. And then you have this very niche movie about poker. So no one's going to go out to see that because the trailer was probably like, I don't know anything about poker. Mm-hmm. But the thing that makes me mad is we talked about this in Children of Men. I like a movie that expects the audience to be smart enough to understand. It's funny, now, like, watching Rounders, it's not even, like, intellectually stimulating. It's just poker jargon. You don't even have to get hung up on the jargon to realize you're watching a freaking masterpiece. So, I'm really sure my score, I think Metacritic rated the movie a little too prematurely. Well, Metacritic doesn't rate it. They no, I'm sorry. It. I think the ra- reviewers. Right. And yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, I think... Like I, I put this down in my notes is it's probably it's it's it seems inherently difficult to make a movie about a card game hold someone's attention for the whole time, so that's why I feel like things like in Casino Royale they use poker as a device within the plot, but the grander plot has way higher stakes than the poker game itself, and so the poker game becomes that much more intense. 
And so while for me, I'm on board for all of the games and all of the ups and downs of him losing money and gaining money back, I can understand that probably a lot of those low critic scores come from the sense of like, hey, this is like the fourth game he's played where he won $200. Like <laughs> I don't, this, this seems boring or right. it hasn't held my attention anymore. But going, even going on that, every game he enters into, the stakes are a little bit different. That's yep. what I love about it. It's like, okay, Worm, his buddy played by Ed Norton, is a scumbag guy. And he gets Mike McDermott, Matt Damon's character, into this debt. And so every time Matt Damon's playing cards, it's like, okay, not only do I have to win to save Worm, but I have to win to kind of save my own skin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we all like the movie. We think we like it a lot more than any of the critics um, that reviewed it. Uh, so we might not even have an answer. I have an answer for this category. But we always talk about <laughs> what is the most efficient way to fix it. So I did mention a couple problems that I had with the movie. Uh, Cole, you said you had a fix as well though. So what, what would you change? So similar to actually Mario's comment he just made, I think the stakes and, and just that loose term using the stakes there without the movie, throughout the movie playing into um, kind of the intensity or drama of moments and scenes uh, felt a little flat at times. And so for me, chiefly it happens in the final scene. So for me, I love that final scene, but I think it could have had more weight uh, had it been accomplished a little bit differently. And when I say differently, I think uh, his final game with Teddy KGB, you only get his understanding of Teddy KGB through Matt Damon's kind of internal monologue about him being kind of somebody you don't want to mess with and you certainly don't want to be indebted to. Um, but I think if they had just done maybe one or two scenes where Teddy KGB goes off the handle on somebody who owes him money and you see him like, or have like his henchmen rough somebody up. You kind of see it with... Uh... Was it Chapa? No, it was Grandma. 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 Yeah, you see, Grandma definitely gets him himself. He gets physical, or he has this kind of ominous presence. But not that maybe I don't know. But for me, you can have way more intensity in that because that final scene when he walks to the table with the money that he owes him. He's like, "Well, it's not yours until the morning, so I'm going to spend it right now. I'm going to play for it right now." In the very first hand, he goes all in. He's playing for his life right then. You know that as a viewer. But I think the stakes become more intense if you recognize or understand because they've shown earlier that he really is playing for his life if Teddy KGB had done some crazier-ish yeah. in other scenes. I uh, actually disagree with that a little bit because I think, first of all, John Malkovich makes some very interesting choices <laughs> with I the accent. It. But it's like, not good. Oh, I think it's great. I think it's well, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I think it's pretty well regarded as a bad accent, though. Right, but like... It's ridiculous, but also like it works. In oh this yeah, no, movie. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I love it, yes, it. it is not a, an accurate Russian yeah, accent yeah, yeah, by yeah. any stretch. But it's so fun, and um, entertaining. But it's so fun. It's so perfect for the movie. His name is Teddy KGB, <laughs> which has some implications, and like he is very like ominous. Like he, you, you see at one point his boys, which we'll talk about this scene a bunch. We'll keep coming back to it. His boys get up to like rough up Matt Damon because Matt Damon shit talks him a little bit, and he just says yet. And they stopped. And these like massive, like six foot five guys are just like yeah. listening to his every word. Bam, the money. Um, but also, um, the state talked talk about the stakes of this scene. And, and the first time I saw this movie, the ending scene stresses me the fuck out because I am very risk averse person in my real life. And like so, uh, Long Camp Polly, Ben Stiller. Yeah, let, like let's just talk about some of the risks he takes in that scene. Cole mentioned very first hand, he goes all in. Holy shit. Like, that is a move. That this is a is the beginning move. of the movie. 
No, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. so he does at the beginning. He, he makes a big hand at the very beginning of the At the end, he buys $10,000 to play for the night. And the very to not first, die. To not die. He yeah. has to make more. He has to make back the 15K he owes yeah. uh, grandma. Or grandma. Um, <laughs> grandma. 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 Uh, that he owes grandma. And so the very first hand, though, against Teddy KGB, he has to go all in right then at the very beginning. Right. Oh, and he wins. Because he, 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 he says, like, man, I have to, have to cut him out right now. Um, and then he, he eventually wins Teddy KGB's money. So he doubles his, his 60, pot. 60, I think he's going to make it 60. No, 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 not yet. He doubles oh, his pot from 10 to 20K. And he's, you know, he's got the 15,000 to pay off uh, Teddy KGB. He says he's halfway to paying back the professor. So he's like, I'm good. I can just walk out right now. And so Teddy KGB has something to say. And so Matt Damon turns around and sits back down, Gosh. already out of it, that, with his $20,000. That's like whale hunting. Right and I'm there. like, and my chest is tight. I'm like, leave, go, yeah. leave, get out, you won. Right. right. And like, oh my gosh, it's such a good movie though. The movie like, would have been a lot shittier if you, yeah, exactly. you left. You are on the edge of your seat, like we mentioned, for this poker game. But they, the, it's such a well-told story that you're, you're so yeah. into it. Um, but anyway, my efficient fix, a little bit different. Um, I think the subplot with his girlfriend, Mike McDee's girlfriend, played by Gretchen Mole, is not good. Um, it's forgotten. It's uh, easily. It's unfortunate because I think she's a pretty good actress, but the story of it is not good. And we talked about how great the storytelling is, but she is not believable. Every time you interact with her, mm, you're I like, disagree. She's the worst. Like it doesn't make sense to me. You see this Mike McDee character over and over and over again be so passionate about poker. It's what he loves to do. He mentions like <clears throat> that when he played poker, he feels alive for the first time in months because he hasn't played poker in months. And she gets upset at him. And it's like, I don't understand how your relationship ever came together. Um, and like, she just, it's, it's yeah. not good. It's not. I, 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 want, I want to say why I disagree. Okay. Um, I think they, so watching it this second time, that's one of the things I actually watched for because I remember thinking, wow, she's just a shitty girlfriend. Like, he's, he's, he's winning. He's kind of helping his friend Worm out. She hates Worm. She hates him. It's relationship ended. They did a pretty good job at the beginning of the movie when he first goes to that game with Worm right out of jail where she knows of his past. She mm -hmm. knows it's kind of wrecked him. He lost all that money to Teddy KGB right in the beginning. He was obviously with her at the time, what it did to him. Um, he's also in law school. And so I can relate. I thought that was cool that it's a, you're in it. It's an investment. This is your whole life. So she's got this guy who she plans on marrying probably. The two of them are invested in law school. She knows he can't go back on this binge of wanting to play poker for a living all the time, hanging out with Worm, who's a horrible person, a bad influence on him, because it's going to unfortunately drag her down too. So I didn't need to see it. I kind of understood that, that that was already established. So when it ended for me, I was like, okay, she hit the breaking point. We can move on from her. Yeah. But here's what I'll say. <clears throat> so she was dating him before. She doesn't really know Worm. And then I think the point where she comes across the worst is he mentions that he interjects into the judges game. And he's like, I didn't even play, but I think I earned a clerkship just because I like showed them how well I know cards and it impressed them. And she's like, I can't believe you would do that. And it's like... Again, I, I saw it as she was, she's like, you know how hard and sought after that type of position is that you would throw this you know thing on your ability to count cards or whatever he was doing, reading the room. Like you're undermining the institution that, of education that we're here for. And 
she knew that if you get a little taste of it, you're eventually going to want to gamble. I, I, to me, it was like, it's an addiction, right? Like, oh, I wasn't drinking the alcohol, but I just went around the room and smelled everyone's alcohol. I don't know. And then uh, I, I also think he mentions at the top of the movie that he has, he seems to have no family besides Worm, basically. And he mentions that he is paid for his law school by playing poker. Like, yeah. that's how he's paid for law school in the first place. So, like, he's clearly been doing it for a long time. He's clearly been super successful. He basically makes one very large mistake, and it burns him. And he gets, I mean, he pulls himself off of it. He says without talking to her that he's done. And now that he decides he wants to dip his toe back in to this thing that he loves more than anything in the world, and the thing in the world he's the best at, and she's like, no, I don't think you should do that. And she's not even, like, willing to discuss it. She's just very, like, yeah. I can't believe you'd even well, think about it. It's kind of, I mean, it's gambling. So it's like, it's a risk. Yeah. He, he says it's not. I would, I know, I right. even, he does, literally says it's not. I would even disagree to the other extreme. I don't even see her as a bad girlfriend. Um, yeah, I thought she was doing the best thing for her life. I don't even see that. I don't even see her making selfish decisions. I think, truly, her motivations seem to be, I, I hear what you're saying, Bryce, that the, the plot is that he's paying for law school based off his winnings, that he's definitely good at what he does when it comes to playing poker. Um, but I think when he does make that one big costly mistake, that she then all of a sudden has very high walls up <laughs> of tension around him getting back into something that hurt him so bad before. Like, so I, I see it more as her just being overly protective. And yes, maybe that comes off callous and kind of unmovable at times when he's like, all I did was just give him some advice on a hand and now I might have you know, an internship, how cool is that? And she's like, well, you just conned your way in. Would you want yeah. them to think that of you? You know, I think that's just her probably being sensitive to what was, you know, otherwise a really significant time in his life where he has to go on to a delivery route to make ends meet, to just scrape it back together. Um, and so I, I think she just saw him lose it all and is afraid for him to lose it more. That's fair, that's your fix, I mean. <laughs> what? That's fair, so that's your fix. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean, I think for me, that particular subplot a lot of the other relationships, especially the relationship with Worm, which we're going to talk about a lot in a second, um, is super yeah. believable. And yeah. like, I, I, I kind of watch that and I think, well, why were they dating in the first place? Like, <laughs> she doesn't seem to like him. She only likes this version of him that's only existed for six months or whatever. Yeah, I think my, my counterpoint to my own point is at the very end when they have their little bump in and he says goodbye to her and she's saying goodbye to him and she says, you know, hey, call me if you ever have time or if you need a bailout or ever like you basically hinting yeah you need a lawyer yeah so hinting at like you know this relationship could still go on that part feels weird for me because she's so risk adverse so against him gambling and now that she knows he's going to pursue gambling full out she's saying hey you know call me up yeah right uh, but so i'll go talk about my my fix uh, i wrote nothing <laughs> but having hearing you guys talk um so this is when you tell like, what kind of movies you are, like this is my favorite type of movie. Like this, the slow burning, like great acting stories like this. Going what Cole said with the climax, maybe make it a little more uh, just high climactic, stakes. high stakes. It kind of reminded me of there's scenes in both these movies that reminded me of Goodwill Hunting and Social Network, where they're both similar movies, but there are moments in them where it's high stakes and you have like these. I want to call them outlier scenes where the you know the acting is like extreme. You have people shouting. You have like something is happening within the plot that is moving along. This one is very mellow throughout the whole thing, and you get little bit bits and pieces of that. So I could see maybe adding some stakes to the end of the movie 
could maybe potentially fix it, but it's, it doesn't need it, in my opinion. I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so we all very much like this movie. Um, and so our best scene, even if you don't think about it as best scene, we like to think about it as which scene would you show someone to convince them to watch the rest of the movie? So uh, what did you guys pick for that? Um, my best scene. The, the, so <laughs> I can't answer that. I have to say if I'm convincing someone to watch, show, to watch the movie, I'm showing them the string of rounding the games that he's playing with worm and they start to kind of get a little bit of winning because that's yeah. the movie in a nutshell but my opinion the best scene is when he meets with the professor and the professor tells him about how his parents wanted him to be a rabbi but he knew that wasn't quote-unquote his mitzvah and like he needed to become a professor pretty much showing mike in that moment like hey man you think you want to be a lawyer but at the same time you know deep down this is not what you were meant to do you have to follow that and the payoff is at the end when Mike has to go get a loan from the professor and the professor's like, for me to be able to do something for someone who was at the same point in life that I was, this is what it's all about. He like, says, for that I.O. Yeah, And also, shout out, uh, it's Professor Abe Pachowski, played yeah. by the great Martin Landau. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and it is a small role, but oh, he's so good. He's yeah. so yeah, good. Yeah, he does such a good job with it. Um, I struggled with best scene because some of the scenes that I wanted to choose, I feel like are too telling of the plot elements that you want to hold off on and let it be like a reward for somebody who's watching it maybe for the first time. And so like, I'd hate to show the last scene where he plays Teddy KGB for his final pot of money and there's definitely stakes there, all that kind of stuff. And it's a really well done scene because then, you know, kind of what's the inspiration to watch the movie if you know how it ends yeah, to true. some degree. But I think a version of that scene that plays out a little bit earlier that I would show is where he is playing the quote-unquote municipal workers, the state law Ooh, enforcement. Great scene. Uh, because that scene is, and I'm going to just kind of go on a tangent here for just a couple seconds if y'all sit with me, because it is an incredible it's scene. so, so intense. He, so literally, Worm, his buddy, sets him up to play here, and Worm's like, let me come in there, let's do it together. He's like, no, I'm going to play it straight up. He's like, well, then what am I supposed to do? He's like, just go. He's like, well, then I'm going to come in. He's like, and then Matt Damon says, okay, well, then I will sit out, and you can go play alone. So they elect in the way you believe it's going to play out is Matt Damon's going in there to play on his own and Ed Norton is going somewhere else to wait while he plays. A bowling alley. A bowling alley, <laughs> he says. And so, Which yeah, he does go to. He does go to. Uh, and so the scene pays off so well for me because you get to see Matt Damon, Mike, being incredible at poker. He's winning straight up and he's winning well uh, just over time with these uh, state troopers. But then they do this incredible thing, and it's similar actually to the reveal. I know we're talking about Children of Men quite a bit in this, but when he walks through the broken down school in Children of Men, and they do the reveal of, um, I'm forgetting her name now, but the woman who's actually pregnant. Key. Key. Yeah, so they do the reveal where he's blocking her while she's swinging on the swing, and then the camera pans around and you see her. Yeah. So similar reveal, and this scene happens so dramatically so well because it is zoomed in on Matt Damon's kind of spot at the table. And you see the distance behind him of the room. And all of a sudden you hear the door open. You hear two people kind of enter and they're laughing and jiving and stuff. And then you hear a guy go, I just met this dude at the bowling alley. He says he wants to play some poker. And you hear Ed Norton's voice and you oh, sink in that yeah. moment. You're like... And Damon deflates. Yeah, you mm -hmm. see yeah, you see Damon like just... Trying to keep it together. Yeah, and he's, he's shaking hands at everybody at the table pretending like he doesn't know Matt Damon. Like that scene is so good. Oh, it's a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is a very good scene. Can we give shouts real quick to Ed Norton? Like, he is any scene with him in it, dude, he's so friggin' great in this movie. Like 
Oh my god, Matt Damon's good, obviously too. But like, Worm is such a specific character. Yeah, so great. This movie is well acted, top to bottom. It's, yeah, it's really good. Um, my best scene, a little bit different than you guys. Uh, I called it the Chesterfield South, <laughs> uh, which I believe is what they call it when they go to Atlantic City. So uh, Mike McDee just got bumped, just got dumped. Excuse me. Mike got uh, bumped. And uh, Worm's with them, and he basically convinces them to go to Atlantic City to kind of play off his depression. And they show up, and they realize that everybody that they play cards with in New York has come to Atlantic City this night. And so they're <laughs> kind of joking, and they're like, what, are we going to take money off of each other? And then you just see some tourists sit down, and they're like sharks. Like, they all look, <laughs> and they're like, oh, gosh. And they even say this line um, <laughs> that we're not actually working together, but... When you watch Nat Geo, you don't see piranhas eating each other. And it's so great. It's such a good scene. And yeah. it's just a montage of them just cutting up these tourists that are coming to sit with them. It is... I love when John Turturro's character arrives. Kanish. Oh, yeah. Kanish. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'll sit with you guys. Kanish, another like small so character. Oh, so well good. acted. His best so role. So interesting. Oh, it's so good. I even so love so the good. start to that scene. Like you said, he gets dumped. And he's like, kind of has his hands in his head. Oh, like, just like frustrated, annoyed, doesn't know what to do. <laughs> And he kind of sighs. He goes, "Let's play some freaking cards." No, he goes, "You know what gets me excited?" Yeah, yeah, no, King's he, 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 yeah, 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 no. yeah, yeah. Ed Norton starts boosting him up, but finally Matt Damon gives in by just going, "F it, let's go play some cards." Yeah. yeah, it's gosh, it's such a good scene. So we might have a hard time picking a worse scene. Then uh, is there any scene that breaks the movie for you? I uh, actually will start with this one because uh, I couldn't pick a worse scene, so I picked the scene that's the hardest for me to watch, and it's actually Cole's best scene. Mm -hmm. It is the police game. Uh, because like I, I mentioned, I've rewatched this movie all the time. And often when I see Worm and Mike McDee roll up to the police lodge to start playing cards, I'll turn the movie off. I'm like, I don't want to watch this scene. It makes me <laughs> so rough. uncomfortable when you mention that you sink in your chair. That's how I do when I watch that scene. You could and argue that's the climax. <laughs> you could argue that's the climax. I don't think that it is, but you could definitely make that argument. It is, so again, it's not the worst scene in that it's poorly acted or that it doesn't make sense in the plot of the movie. It's just the hardest for me to watch because it is so uncomfortable. Uh, I was thinking about it as we were preparing, and I know we referenced The Office too much, so if you've never seen The Office, you probably don't understand this podcast Go at watch all. The Office but if you haven't seen it. Shut this it off. reminds me of the Scott's Tots episode oh, of The Office. Like, yeah. Hey, Mr. Scott, what you gonna <laughs> Some do? people can't watch because it's so uncomfortable. That's how I feel about the police game scene. He promises these elementary school kids that he will pay for their college tuition. And if then they when, make it through high school. Yeah, they make it through high school. And then they're, right before their graduation, they welcome him back, and he reveals to them that he, he, can't, does, do he can't do it. And he goes, instead, you can take courses online. They think they're going to get a laptop, and he brings them lithium batteries. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> that is my worst scene, quote-unquote. That scene is great, too. My only gripe with it is that's the last time you see Worm, and I forgot that. Yeah, Worm's yeah. not in the it, movie after that. I love it, though, because it shows how great their friendship is. After they get their ass kicked because of Worm, the first thing they do is ask if each other's okay to make sure that they're not, like... That's not true. No. The first thing that happens is Worm tells him he should have played the... He should have played the Kings. The Kings that oh, okay, maybe I'm... Uh, there's another scene, then, when they get roughed up after he's been implicated... Maybe it's when Grandma roughs him up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After yeah. Grandma roughs him up and Mike McDee realizes you've got me involved now, too. Yeah. He's just, okay. yeah. Um, my worst scene, though, again, I didn't have a worst scene. I had one scene that I would change slightly. Go for it. I think Famke Jansen in this movie is so good. Oh, she's, she's excellent. She's so good. She's such yeah. a small part. She's the best I've ever seen her, and she gets a lot of beef because she wasn't great in the X-Men movies because she didn't have too much to do. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but she's so good, and she has this, like, flirtatious... 
back and forth thing with Mike because she realizes this guy doesn't need to play cards, but he play, chooses to play cards. She's got a lot of respect for him. So she comes up to his apartment after he's been dumped to collect uh, the debt. She reveals, like, you know, Worm, your debt's up to 7000 He gives her a 1000 bucks. She kisses him, and then she goes, I can stay over. And he goes, no, 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 no. He's like a gentleman. He's like, I'll see you, I'll see you at the club. I'll see you at the club. And then she leaves. And I'm like, no! She's so... She's such a babe, and she's cool. Like, get yours. Just yeah. have a night, man. I would love to learn more about Mike's relationship with Petra. That's yeah. Petra. Jensen's she's got to be, what, 10 years older than him? Uh, I don't know, but she... Not they, significantly, but yeah. They, there. they mention a couple times they seem to have some history, like they maybe have dated before. Uh, I'm very interested in what's going on there. Oh, God, get together with her, man. <laughs> now, I mean, that also kind of dips into... So I have a... Not like, again, it's not worst, because I don't think anything's really bad, but part of the movie with it, the premise of Rounders is these guys that basically play poker for a living, or guys and girls... And so there is, and we've referenced this in other movies before that kind of dip into stuff like this where it becomes kind of this John Wick underworld lore of there is this society yeah. of people who play poker that you have to buy into as a viewer. Be like, okay, this does exist. You know, that's the part maybe I don't understand the most, so that is an issue for me at times. I'm sure it does exist, right? Right. Maybe it does. Um, but my worst scene, if I'm calling it that, uh, again, dipping back into this one one more time, is the final scene. Uh, uh, the character Grandma, uh, he buys up all of Worm's debt from the different people he owes money to, and it ends up being the sum of like $15,000. And then <clears throat> Matt Damon backs him, saying, you know, hey, I'll vouch for him too. So then Matt Damon becomes indebted to the 15 k as well. So Bryce already talked about this. He plays Teddy KGB for 10 grand and doubles his money when it's 20 grand. And he can step out at that point, give Grandma the 15 grand he owes him and leave. But he comes back and he wins way more. And the problem I have with that scene is that when he wins the second time, obviously it's understandable to me that Teddy KGB is super frustrated because he's just lost a good sum of money and he's a gentleman about it to an extent that he's like, doesn't let his guards rough him up. He's like, no, he beat me fair and square. That's it, just pay the man. But for some reason, it is weird to me because grandma gets super upset in that scene. He like, he also throws a chair at the table and like storms out. And it's weird to me because in my mind, is it trying to tell us that he would have rather beaten up or killed Worm and Mike, or is he would he have preferred them to pay him the fifty? Because he's still yeah. going to owe him and pay him the fifteen k he owes him. So I'm confused as why he's angry that he won. I think that part is great, and here's here's why I think that you can tell as much as Teddy KGB is effectively the villain of this movie, you can tell he's a real one in that scene because Mike just beat him straight up. He just beat him fair and square. Straight up. <laughs> It is excellent, and Teddy KGB is pissed, and he gets up, and Mike has something to say about it, which is not a wise move, by the way. He, yeah. he shit talks Teddy KGB a little bit after just taking thirty. A couple 20, times throughout that scene, he he chimes in, don't yeah. splash the pot, all that kind of stuff. I'll he he the doesn't pot even don't splash the pot the because I Teddy thinks he's about to win, but he gets mad after he knows he's lost, and Matt Damon adds a little bit of insult to injury, and that's when. The boys come to get him, and you could tell he's a real one because KGB goes, "Yet he beat me fair and square. Pay that man his money," and that's like what you're talking about because no one else, the rest of them there are just Russian mafia. They just, they do, they just want to beat this guy up because that's their job. That's yeah. what they do. But you could tell Teddy KGB is a real one because he's like, he won. 
This is fair and square. Teddy respects the game, and he's not letting them beat up Mike McGee. Yeah, but so I, I that's think not my problem. My is just why is Grandma mad? I, he's getting paid his money that he's owed, and would he had rather that they, he he lost on the money and he just gets to kill the guys, but then he's out fifteen grand? I don't know why. No, he, I, well, I, he gets the money anyway because he won the money off of Matt Damon. Well, Teddy KGB won the money off Matt Damon, and he gets to beat the crap out of him. And and, and Grandma's a thug. Like Teddy KGB is a real one. Grandma just wants to beat people up. He's not yeah. a poker player. I think Grandma's mad because he. I think he kind of knows maybe Matt Damon has him beat, and he's not going to get paid. No, I, I mean, he still owes him the fifteen. Grand. He still gets paid. He, he still. Oh, pays he does. Him. You're, 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 oh yeah, that's, that's a good point. Then so, <laughs> why is he? I don't get why he's mad. He's he's a thug. I think he does want to just beat up Matt Damon. Yeah, okay, yeah, Matt Damon. Um, okay, so now we're going to dive in a little bit to Worm. We're, we're going to talk about Worm a lot because Worm is probably the most interesting character in the whole movie. Um, and the cool thing about him is, as this movie is going on, you see, like, he sucks. Mario mentioned. Oh He's kind gosh. of a scumbag from kind beginning of. to end. Well, he has a little bit of redemption. Like, you can tell why the Mike McD character is his friend the whole time. Like, he mentions that um, <clears throat> Worm kept his mouth shut when they had a scam together. Worm took the fall. So Mike and Worm are intensely loyal to each yeah. other. But Worm is a screw-up. He continues to make life worse and worse and worse for Mike. Uh, and so I call this category, you got to know when to hold them and you got to know yeah. when to fold them. And so as I'm watching the movie, and I've rewatched it a couple hundred times now, what point should Mike have cut Worm loose? <laughs> it's funny that this was a category because when I was watching it this last time, I kept thinking, why is he friends with this guy? Um, to me, it's when he finds out that when... They're at the club, the one that Petra works at, and instead, Mike lends Worm $2,000, or, yeah, he takes out $2,000 from the house, essentially, on Mike's tab, right. and he ends up winning 10000 So when he goes to cash out, Petra's like, okay, I'll give you the eight, and you can pay Mike's debt off. He goes, no, 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 just give me the entire ten. And then you don't, he doesn't tell Mike at all. Mike finds out from Petra when she comes back, and she's like, the juices run for seven. At that point, I'm like, okay, this guy clearly doesn't have my best interests at heart. He is just using me any way he can. He doesn't care about me. That's when I think I would cut him off. However, I love what the movie does. Mike confronts him in the gymnasium scene. Yeah, they go to the, gym the church. And they just they go back and forth. It's such a great scene. But you see their friendship is so good that Mike can't let this guy go because right. he'll die. He'll yeah. literally get killed by Grandma and his thugs. Can yeah. we also talk about... I don't think that's a great way to run a club is to loan money. Like obviously they loan money because they make the money off of it. But then when Worm comes back with the chips, he doesn't have any cash. And he's like, I want the 10. And she just gives it to him. I think he'd be like, no, the policy is you only get the eight. Well, I, I think it's like mafia style. I, like, I know. Okay, okay yeah. we'll let that, we'll look at the interest. He got right. $5,000 like They get so much week. off of it. But it's still like, I don't know. I feel like... Uh, yeah, like just say no. He's like, no, no, we'll just take we'll our take money it. back. Thank you very much. And, and charge interest. Like, we'll, we're getting <laughs> yeah. three. The question for cutting Worm Loose for me is super difficult. Um, and we've alluded to this mainly for me because Matt Damon does such a terrific job. Mike McDermott does such a great job of... Mikey McD. Of explaining narratively why he has to stand beside him. Like he said, he starts out by saying that he kept his mouth shut and, and you know he took the fall for it. Uh, he talks later about how his dad beat up on him all the time and how he had he's everybody around him has always beaten up on him. He's never had anybody in his corner. I have to stay beside him because of that. And so narratively, like you get you understand why why it's happening. 
Like it feels the exact opposite. It made me laugh because I thought back to we watched uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull mm -hmm. with Indiana Jones' his friend Mac who oh, yeah. keeps messing up. And as a viewer in that movie, from the very first time Mac screws over Indy, you're like, yeah, just be done with that yeah. guy. Kill He's him. a jerk. Be done with him. But yeah, I can understand why Matt Damon keeps you know bringing him back in. If I'm also just talking more about the Worm character, which I love, is Edward Norton does such a terrific job of being this douchebag, deadbeat guy to the point that it causes tension and rifts and like frustrations and deep hurting moments, but he never does it so extreme that it becomes disbelievable why they would stay together. Like I totally agree. He toes that line so perfectly with, I don't necessarily have a friend like this, but I can imagine having a friend like this where you're always kind of having to keep them around okay. because they keep being the deadbeat and you're like, Okay, dude, one more chance, one more chance, one more chance. Right. This is what I was referring to earlier. I just remembered. After they get beat up by the cops, the first thing Mike does is he thinks Edward Norton's unconscious or he's dead. You know, The first thing he does is ask about his well-being. Ed Norton responds with, you should have played the Kings. You should have played the Kings. But even in that moment, I'm like, you think if you love your... He's like a brother... Yeah. You're going to be mad at him, but at the same time, you're like, I, you got to make sure he's okay. Like, yeah. It's just such a powerful scene. Yeah, so for me, the, the answer for that, after saying all the things about it, uh, is the same when it's Mars. I think the moment he realizes that Worm is not only um, taking the $2,000 uh, from him and not paid it back, he's turned it into $7,000 of debt that is on Mike's tab to owe, and he confronts him to the church. That's the point I go, dude, like, you're on your own. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And I... I, I agree with Cole, and like the best part of this movie is between Matt Damon and Ed Norton, like you believe that relationship. It is not unbelievable, like in other movies where it's like, dude, cut this guy loose. Like the whole time you understand why they're still friends. Every time and until the very end. Uh, and, and, and Worm kind of turns, turns the douche up to 11 there uh, because Mike is explaining, like, I got to go back. I got to make this right. And Worm just goes, I guess I'll see you when I see you then, which is like, not a great yeah. response. Um, I love his name is Worm. It just speaks to his whole character. Well, so it's a nickname. Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, so I think the, the part you mentioned about the running up the interest, obviously for us would be bad, but like seems to kind of come with the lifestyle and come with being Worm's friend. But the moment where I'm like, this is when I'm out, is when they go to see Grandma and, and Matt Damon is like, we, we gotta oh, work gosh, something out. Yes. We'll, we'll figure it oh, out. God. And he talks, he talks a deal between... Uh, Worm and Grandma, and he comes up with a deal that's going to work. They're going to be able to make it happen. And then <clears throat> Ed Norton has to say something. I don't need your fucking charity. Yeah. And and he goes to beat him up, and Matt Damon's trying to stop him. And he goes, like, if you vouch for him, then it's on you too. And I think at that moment, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this yeah. guy. Like, I just made it right. I fixed everything, and he couldn't keep his mouth shut. That's what Matt Damon says. Yeah. You couldn't keep your mouth shut for one minute. And he's like, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. He just like, it's like, he he's like, it's like his, yeah, it's his fake apology that he classic does. And it's like, it, when he goes, so then it's on you too? And Matt Damon just goes, it's on me too. I, I don't answer. It's on me yeah. too. I'm like, never mind. You know what? I, I tried to make it right. It didn't work. That I'm done a, with you. I such a great answer for that because, again, at the very beginning of that scene, it's all, it's not that long. Outside the club that he meets Grandma out, or his office, whatever you call it, brothel thing that he's yeah, got going. Brothel. Weird. He's out front of it. He goes, hey, just let me talk. Right. Don't say anything. Yeah. He's like, fine, I won't say anything. And you then he, he says anything. <laughs> he does yeah. say stuff. He has to say the worst possible thing. Throughout this movie, I'm thinking, not who has better chemistry, but 
Better duo, Matt Damon and Ed Norton, or Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in Good Will Hunting? Oh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Both those, two of my favorite I don't movies. How do you want them when I answer? Yeah, two of my favorite movies. I find both of them very interesting for different reasons. Yeah. True. Yeah. Uh, ben Affleck's character is the best possible Retainer! Yeah. yeah, he's a great friend. Um, so, next category. Uh, Matt Damon, or Mike McDee, mentions that uh, he gets a job for rounders who forget the cardinal rule. Always leave yourself outs. And so, there's a lot of great poker-related wisdom in this movie. Uh, so, which piece of poker wisdom yeah. stood out to you the most? I have a couple nominees. Feel free to pick one of these. Can you or... explain what a rounder is, just for the viewer or the listeners, just to make sure? Yeah, sure. So, you get it from the movie, but <clears throat> a rounder is basically a person who makes their living playing poker. Like, they go from game to game. Like That's how they the make rounds. money. Yeah. The most rounder of rounders in the movie is Kanish, who doesn't have a job. He just goes and plays poker. And he has all kinds of money. Um, so, what is the best piece of rounder advice? The first one, of course, is the one I mentioned. Always leave yourself out. The other one is my cold open from the top. If you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. Uh, he says about Ed Norton uh, Worm that if you can fleece a sheep many times, but you can only skin them once. Mm. He says you can't lose what you don't put in the middle. But he also amends it to say, but you can't win very much either. Um, if you're not careful, your whole life can become a grind. And last but not least, our best piece of advice is don't splash the pot. So, which piece of advice did you think was the most uh, wise? So, mine would be, I think, I don't know the direct one. It's like, he's talking to the judges. Like, you don't, you don't play the card, you play the man in front of you. Yeah. Um, so, that was one of them. The other one is, it's not even really a piece of advice, but it's like the best, one of the best quotes in the movie. Where... I guess the saying's true. In the poker game of life, women are the rake, man. They are the fucking rake. <laughs> and Mike McDee, what the fuck are you talking about? What saying? I don't know. There ought to be one, though. It's <laughs> just so great. Just a classic worm. Yeah. Um, fucking rake. My pick is uh, if you're not careful, your whole life can become a grind because, you know, that's kind of like a sub-theme of this movie is... We would think, like, oh, man, how great of a life is that? Like, they just play cards for that. a living. I didn't think that. I mean, for Kanish, like, Kanish just plays yeah. cards. He never loses. But he never wins. In the, in, the, in the bathhouse scene, you find out, like, it's not great. He's doing this to put money or put food on the table for his kids. Right. He, but yeah. That's what he's saying. He's like, it's work. And, like, Kanish is the classic rounder in this movie. Yeah. Um, Which is a great so, scene, by the way, so far. Yeah, yeah it is great. Um, and, you know, the whole point is that, like you said, like, if you're not careful, it become even that playing cards for a living becomes a grind, which I think is just such a cool piece of wisdom that applies to anything. But also, don't splash the pot. The probably like the quote that maybe go like, "Ooh, that was a good line." The most is the one you referenced earlier, where when they go to play in Atlantic City and they're playing with all the people from New York, and he says, "You know, we're not playing against each other. We're also not playing for each other." He's like, "I don't know if you ever watched the Nat Geo Channel, but the piranhas aren't eating aren't eating themselves." Uh, and then you see two people sit down. And he starts describing these two people like, oh, they probably just want to play poker to have fun because they're in Atlantic City. We're about to clean them out. Yeah. Like, that is such a cool part of the movie for sure as far as just like dialogue goes. As far as poker-related wisdom, and I misunderstood uh, the assignment here. Sorry, Teacher Bryce. But, um, <laughs> Get out, man. I, I think from the movie, wisdom I liked the most was the one that Mario mentioned where you play the person, not the actual cards. Which I don't claim to have any ability to do, but the way he describes it, like I'm watching people's eyes when the cards are turned over, and I can tell based off their reaction what they wanted or what they didn't get, all that kind of stuff. And that scene, that poker scene, or the um, the, the Taj Mahal or whatever, uh, Atlantic City, 
you guys think about, I thought in the moment, like, oh, man, I wonder when I sit down at a poker table at a casino, if you ever have, I wonder how many people at the table are thinking that about us. They're like, we're gonna, well, I've, I've never played Hold'em at a casino. Me neither, never. So I, I've only played Blackjack, blackjack. where you're not playing against each other. But my, my answer for, again, misunderstanding the plot, or the question here, um, it is true of the movie, but it's something somebody told me, um, that basically when it comes to playing poker, if you have any interest in playing poker, uh, is to be patient. Like I think for me, when I started, like I, I don't play much. I play probably once or twice a year. And so when I play, I'm like, oh, I need to like play poker. And then that, what that means is I need to be playing with every hand that I'm dealt yeah. and trying to win money. Uh, but what you see Matt Damon do consistently throughout this movie in the high stakes games is he just bleeds the person where he'll, he'll check and call and check and call and fold and fold and fold and then win on the hand he knows he can win on. Um, and so I think my advice or wisdom that I think is just applicable is be patient in poker because it's not about winning every hand. It's about winning the big hands. I can't yeah. believe Don't Splash the Pot didn't win. Don't Splash the Pot. Don't Splash the Pot. Can we do the quote? Go for it. Uh, I, I, don't, I think you guys can do better than I can. Well, Don't Splash the Pot's what Mike McBee says. Yeah, I know, but then yeah. his response. I will splash the pot whenever <laughs> the fuck I please. Please. <laughs> Gosh. So great. John Malkovich is doing we, so we much. We have used movie. that so often now. Yeah, I, I love it's it. Been, yeah. yeah. Um, so... Uh, famously, to film the, or to write this movie and to write it well, we talked about how well, well written it is. Uh, David Levian and Brian Koppelman um, made the rounds in the New York poker scene. So they sat at a lot of games similar to this. A lot of the characters in the movie are based on real people they met. Um, specifically, they met someone who like is apparently a dead ringer for Kanish. Uh, so the movie is very well researched. We mentioned how jargony it is. Um, it is very poker intensive. So that made me think, uh, is there anything that you noticed poker related that maybe was exaggerated for the film? Like an error, an inaccuracy, or a plot hole related to poker? I don't know poker well enough, I, so I really couldn't answer. Um, I think one thing that in watching the movie uh, subsequent times... Uh, Teddy KGB's character loves Oreos. He eats mm -hmm. them all the time. Fun fact, I had to watch this movie in a three-part night or whatever, and I had Oreos, and so I ate them every time, and I'm actually eating them now on the pot. Um, so you always heard about like being able to have see someone's tell, right? So in the Taj Mahal scene, Mike McDee's like, looking at people's tells, like, oh, you can touch your nose, this and that. I always thought it was a little too obvious that this amazing poker player who's considered to be maybe the best in New York City in this underground tournaments or whatever, his is like, when he opens his Oreo near his ear, does he eat it? If he eats it, it means he's got a good hand. If he puts it away, it means he's going to fold. Like, I just feel like he has this re realization, like, oh, that's his tell. I'm like, that's eh, probably not very accurate. I don't think Teddy KGB would be that consistent with his tell so that it's orchestrated for everyone all the time. Yeah, I definitely, I would have to like, I know that he does that, but I definitely need to rewind and watch to make sure that anytime he has a good hand, is he actually eating or just, I didn't think it was that specific thing that he's either eating it or putting it down, whether it's a good or bad hand. I thought it was something even more subtle beyond that where, but maybe it was. Maybe. But, yeah, I just saw, yeah. I remember he comes to a realization after he puts it away. And that's why I mentioned at the top about this climactic scene that like, to me, this is the climax of the movie is when... Uh, Mike McDee figures out Teddy KGB's tell. It's a subtle climax. And it's, yeah, it's very That's subtle because he doesn't say anything. He says, normally when you figure out somebody's tell, you would bleed them all night, but I don't have that kind of time. Um, and so, like, he doesn't say what he's realized. He just says that he's folding. And he, 
It's it is a great scene. He he says, I have a great hand, but I'm putting it down. I'm folding. We need John Mayer. Just say what you need to say. And then John Malkovich is like, is like, how did? Why are you folding? There's no reason you should fold that hand. And then he realizes that Mike McDee has figured out his tell, and he gets pissed and he Freaks throws out. the Oreos against the wall. It's great. He rattles them. It's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with Mario that it seems like this guy who is this card shark would not have the most obvious tell, yeah. which is, it seems to be, again, it doesn't explicitly say this, that if he has a good hand, he eats the Oreo, and if he has a, if he's bluffing, he puts the Oreo back. Of all the subtle tells that they pick up on, no one's picked up on this. The only explanation is that it's too obvious of a tell that all these card sharks overlook it, because yeah. like, yeah. that, it can't be that obvious. But it, yeah, it's a bit... It's so like, it, the only thing more obviously that he'd be like, I have good cards, mm. you're going to want to fold. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he, that seems to be what they're implying with that scene is that his tell is uh, the po the Oreo eating, which yeah, would be crazy. His poker advice, because you get his internal monologue throughout the movie, right then he goes, one thing about poker, when you learn someone's tell, don't say a freaking word. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't, don't, don't share it. But then he does tell him. Yeah. Um, Inadvertently. No, he, he wants him to know because he wants to, he wants to rattle Teddy KGB. But does because, he literally explicitly say, "Hey, I know you tell us." No, he he. But when you fold, you don't have to show your cards. He says, "I'm laying them down," which means I'm folding. Oh, it's a great it's hand, bad. and I'm yeah. laying it down. And Teddy KGB goes, "Why would you let it, lay that hand down?" He said, "That should have been my pot because Teddy KGB has a better hand." Um, and then he realizes that the reason he's doing that is because Mike McDee figured out his tell. Right. Gotcha. <clears throat> and he knew he had a better hand. So I'm similar to Mario. I don't. I don't claim to know enough about poker to be able to be like, here's this inconsistency and this plot hole. But something about it that maybe I've had the least ability to kind of step alongside with in the movie. One of them I mentioned earlier is just the underworld scene of rounders. Like just the idea that there's this whole crew of people who play poker for a living. Uh, but after Bryce giving more clarity on that, that the writers literally did that. They traveled around kind of in the scenes and based a lot of the characters off of people they met in those poker games that obviously that does exist and so I can buy into that. But part of me, maybe this could have gone up in worst scene, but it fits here too, is I have trouble with the cash flow, like fluctuations at times with Matt Damon's character. Um, uh, you know, his connection to Worm obviously makes it for very short and fast with getting back into debt and out of debt. But there's just times where he like, is up and then he goes back down to zero and then he's up and he goes back down to zero um, where I feel like yes that is true of poker that you can lose and win and you either up or you're down but at a certain point I feel like they've gone to that particular well too many times that it loses its kind of drama like they have the moment where they scrape together what cash they have like three or four times like how much you got 300 yeah. how much do you have 900 well that's only 1200 between the two of us and then a few scenes later it's like well how much do you have now I got 500 left you know that's, that's barely enough to get in you know I think that part of it, I don't know how, you know, where that fits otherwise, but that's only kind yeah. of the fluctuation pothole maybe. Like, I feel like they would have a bankroll more than they had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's just because Mike hasn't been playing long enough to have a bankroll and Worm is Worm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I agree that uh, <clears throat> that is definitely something that happens a couple of times. Uh, so, our favorite category, everyone's favorite category is tidbits tiddly bits let this me week, see your bits tidbits is sponsored by city law school of new york <laughs> oh <laughs> not a real school <laughs> can i just see your bits already too much too far okay um, that's why the school closed down <laughs> so, showing their bits showing to everybody 
Does anybody have any good tidbits for rounders? I don't. I you mentioned mine earlier. It only grossed to twenty three million dollars, but became a huge cult classic later on. Um, so that's it. Cool. I have one tiny one um, that Edward Norton as a human is avidly against smoking, mm -hmm. uh, but his character huh. uh, Worm was supposed to be a big smoker throughout the movie. Uh, but that's part of the reason why it includes that very beginning scene where he's getting out of jail oh, that's and he great. wins the smokes and you see the guys are like, come on, man, you can get smokes on the outside. Just give them back to us. He's like, y'all are all, you know, such whiners. I'm not going to give them back to you. And he leaves. But then the first thing he does when he gets out of, basically out of the prison yard, he just throws away the cigarettes in the trash can. Yeah. It was so great because it made it, it made me be like, oh, he's got one addiction and that's poker and that's all he yeah. needs. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I have a couple. Uh, I do love this movie very much. My... First one is uh, the music in this movie is great. Uh, yeah, it's got a, so, oh, the score is so brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah. got a score. The person in charge of music is Christopher Young. Uh, and it, it just made me think, like, you know, we mostly just talk about John Williams or Hans Zimmer with scores, but there's a lot of good work out there, and the score in this movie is excellent. It, like, yeah. Yeah. provides personality for the whole movie. Uh, and then over the credits is a original Counting Crows song made just for this movie. Huh. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I enjoyed it as I was, you know, putting my things away after watching it. <laughs> uh, second thing. Your poker chips? My poker chips I was playing alongside Mike McD. Uh, you'll notice in this movie that from the first scene, Mike explains that he had a great hand and he would normally, against a lesser player, do a move called a bear trap, which he explains means that you only bet a little bit and entice the other person to bet heavy oh, yeah. and make them think that you don't have anything. But he says that wouldn't work against Teddy KGB. I'm going to bet big and then he'll play back at me and then I'll get paid off. And then obviously he loses the opening. At the end of the movie, when he gets that great hand, he, he flops the nut straight, as they say. Hmm. Um, he runs that move. He bets a little uh -huh. and Teddy bets big. Oh, and he just checks and Teddy bets big. And so after saying at the beginning of, of the movie, it Jay. wouldn't work. Uh, he uses that and it does work and yeah, Teddy goes check 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 yeah. <laughs> And yeah. it's, it's it's cool that he uses that exact strategy that he said wouldn't work at the beginning um, Another subtle thing just real quick on yeah. that scene too that I love just from a shooting like cinematic standpoint Is throughout the scene you get glimpses of what's going on in the background one of which is there's just this boxing match going on um, <laughs> And so when he finishes yeah. part of me expected for it to be like one guy standing over the other, which I'm glad they didn't do. Like, right. it's not like, too much. that'd be too on the yeah. nose. But I love when he finally stands up and steps away from the table, Teddy KGB, you see this boxing match going on behind, and that's right. the equivalent of what's happening. He's, yeah. he's getting slugged yeah. out. Symbolism. Um, last thing, kind of a fun story, as I've read and done some research on this movie. So, Mario mentioned that this is very early in Matt Damon's career. So, Goodwill Hunting comes out as they're shooting this movie. So there's stories from on set where Matt Damon basically becomes an overnight celebrity where the week before he's able to walk around New York City, which is where this is filmed. Um, he's able to just get in and out. None of the characters are super recognizable. People kind of recognize Ed Norton, but no one knows who Matt Damon is. And then Goodwill Hunting comes out and they can't shoot anywhere because everybody's coming up to Matt Damon and asking for an autograph That's and wanting awesome. to meet Will Hunting. Uh, so it's you know kind of his overnight success story that we know from Goodwill Hunting affected the filming of this movie. Huh. That's funny. A, a quick bonus tidbit, tiny one that I just realized too. Uh, I don't know if it necessarily is a tidbit, but Johnny Chan, the World Championship Poker player, is himself in the movie. It's yeah. actual real. Yeah. They're real Championship Poker players that you see in the movie as right. well. So 
that's kind of cool that the movie attempts to be in reality. It's not like some you know altered universe or something like that, or not real story. All right, so our last and final category, does rounders belong in the junk drawer? I want to start with this one. I know I said early on it's perfect for the junk drawer. I meant the podcast because it's overlooked. I do not think this is a junk drawer movie by any means. It is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. It is so niche, as we've talked about throughout this pod, and the acting is so brilliant. Touching base on that real quick, I just want to say Ed Norton, for me, was the best thing in the movie. I think Matt Damon was great too, but I could see like a young Leo or even a young Tom Cruise could fit in that role. I'm like, Ed mm. Norton is this character to a T. Anyways, this is not a Juncture movie. It deserves to be in the Hall of Fame of film. No, it's not a Juncture movie. I think it is a junk drawer movie. How dare you? <laughs> um, only because what we talked about there at the beginning. It's it's too niche. Um, maybe not now, I guess, because poker is more popular and people understand it better. So perhaps. But I think what's working against it is things like the Metacritic score uh, in the sense that it's going to be in the junk drawer bin because it's not this critically acclaimed all around the board movie that is going to be forever on the shelf at full price. Uh, it's going to be a movie that's going to exist in the bin because it has been more or less, you know, poorly, poorly reviewed, um, you know. Which is still shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I actually agree with Mario on this one. Like, I think that this movie fits our podcast for a very exciting demographic of movies that are really good movies that haven't gotten their proper due. Um, but in terms of, like, movies that you'd find in the $5 bin, I'm sure it's been there at some point. But like, oh, this is just such a great movie. It is a classic movie for me. Um, so I would say no as well. Yeah, I just don't think you're going into a store and finding this movie in a bin or on the shelf. I think you got to do some dig digging to get this thing. Yeah, this is a this is a little bit of a cult classic, yeah. I suppose. It's like a cocktail. It's it's, it's like, it's like cocktail. cocktail. Kanish yeah. was my favorite. So once again, we want to say thank you to Nate Bosets. Thank you, Nathan, uh, for being our first ever viewer submitted episode or suggested episode and so if you are like Nate and you want to suggest something for us to review on the junk drawer then you can do so by emailing us at askthejunkdrawer at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter. Yeah if you're a Twitter person we are at we're at at junk <laughs> underscore drawer underscore pod. Uh, follow us you can DM us or send us a message on Twitter and uh, we will see it there as well. So Thank you for listening, and we will be back again next week. Peace! Just like a young man coming in for a quickie. I feel so unsatisfied. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Junk Drawer Podcast. If there's a movie that you want to hear us talk about, then please reach out to us at askthejunkdrawer at gmail.com. See you next time. <laughs>